Welcome to Guys Without Helmets, a podcast all about pro and fantasy football. My name is Dave. As always, I'm joined by my guys, Josh and Caleb. We are on episode 32, week nine preview. Guys, week eight is in the books. Lots and lots of, to talk about this week, not to mention free agency has just closed. So no more trading. Teams are locked in. We're done. Didn't get some blockbusters done that we thought we would. Josh, can you just run down and let us know some of the things that happened? So we started off basically the the trading session with Von Miller going to the Rams. It was only for a second and third round pick. I think the Broncos won that personally just because he's basically on his way out of Denver anyways. Right. We also have Melvin Ingram going to the Kansas City Chiefs for a conditional fifth rounder. We also have Jalen Smith being released from the Packers, possibly to make a move because they've had a lot of injuries (laughs) on offense. We also have we have Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Say that again. Laurent Duvernay Tardif. We know he opted out last year for the Chiefs to go help with COVID up in Canada. He's a doctor. Yeah. Yeah, but he's he's getting traded to the Jets. They got traded for a backup tight end because we know that. Are they Travis hiring Kelsey. him as a a doctor or as a lineman? Because <laughs> everyone on their team is hurt. <laughs> that's a good probably point. both. But um, yeah, that's basically it's a good move. basically all that happened. I know that they were gonna or the Rams were trying to trade Deshaun Jackson because he. Basically hasn't played, and then I believe he had 6% snaps played when he asked for a trade. So he basically was not playing. Van Jefferson stepped up a lot, and he has now been released because they could not find a trade partner. Not the excitement we thought we were going to get. Certainly nothing that we thought we were going to get for Watson. Yep, and we also have a couple of injuries. We have Derrick Henry, as we know. Oh, yeah. He has a broken foot. He had surgery just recently. He's going to be out for the rest of the regular season at least. If they make it to the Super Bowl, he'll be back. Uh, we also have <laughs> Daniil Hunter with a torn pectoral. Unfortunate news. We know that he had nerve Back problems last year, yeah. missed most of last year, and uh, that's unfortunate. We also have Jameis Winston, season-ending ta- ACL tear, probably the happiest ACL tear I've ever seen because he was dancing in the locker room right after. You couldn't even tell that he tore it if he didn't have the leg brace and everything. Oh, my gosh. That is the best. It's the most comical thing I've ever seen. He's a riot. Yep, and obviously we did not have a Deshaun Watson trade. He is going to be sticking with the team. There was something weird that I saw. It was the Miami owner was talking to him, quote-unquote, Mm-hmm. because they only had an opportunity to talk on, I believe, Sunday or Sunday or Monday night. Mm-hmm. They talked, and that was the only opportunity, and they didn't have enough time to get it completed, even if they were going to do one. So Deshaun is stuck there for the rest of the year. Yeah, and I sold that he'd be traded. I was the only one, by the way. <laughs> rub it in your face a little bit. <laughs> you can rub it I'm in. I'm just kidding. Um, not to mention the the uh, the Raiders took a blow as well. If you guys want to elaborate a little bit on, on that, I know we don't talk a ton about character of these guys when we're interested in what happens on the field, but it's important because it does affect the Raiders. Yeah, unfortunately, Henry Ruggs was involved in an accident caused by him. He was under the influence of alcohol, and he ended up first ended up getting killed. So he's not going to be playing the rest of this year, obviously, and then probably the rest of his career, depending on what happens with the the judge ruling and all that. But not looking very good. The Raiders have been constantly taking hits. They lost yeah. their coach. They lost their arguably one or two wide receiver. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the Raiders can do without him on the field. Yeah, it's tragic to say the least, and certainly it's a very uncertain situation when a player has repercussions that are legal. Vehicular manslaughter is actually what I'm hearing. So uh, our prayers and thoughts are with the family of the lost, and certainly, like you said, the Raiders are are losing people. Waller's also going to be out for a while, Josh. Is that right? Uh, He could miss another week or two, what I'm hearing. Uh, But Foster Moreau stepped right in and played very well. I believe he had 60 yards and a touchdown, National Tight Ends Day. So he played very well. And, uh, yeah, I think Waller can miss one more game. Gotcha. Anything else in the news before we jump into reviewing week eight? Um, There's more players that were not traded. I know that Marlon Mack was not traded. Allen Robinson get traded? Allen Robinson did not get traded. And also Adrian Peterson 
will be be, will be taking over the Derrick Henry role, as you could say. And on the Tennessee Titans, you also have Jeremy McNichols playing as the receiving back there as well. And then one more injury I did not cover was Tutu Atwell. He was basically going to be playing as the return man as Deshaun Jackson was also leaving. He's going to be placed on season-ending IR with a shoulder injury. So they have to find another returner soon. It's called JVIR. (laughs) Is Kadarius Tony here? Kadarius Tony has a gash in his hand. I believe someone stepped on his hand, a softer part of his hand. So it's it's pretty sizable, but I think he'll be fine. What is? He was just playing like he was hurt. Well, he left the game. <laughs> Are the Giants playing hurt? Weird. Oh, wow. Never let's let's jump it. into that one. Week 8 ended, of course, with the Monday Night Football extravaganza. Snoozer. That was, uh, again, the highlight of my week is these Manning brothers. Let's talk about them again. My gosh, they are they are going at it. And I loved uh, Strahan was probably the best one for me. Yeah. But uh, the Chiefs um, pulled it out somehow at the end of a nail-biter, 20-17 to 17 they, against the, the, the ugliest wins this year. They're, yeah. they're a completely different roster. Are, are we pretty sure at this point that Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey are just figured out? I mean, let's be fair. They don't look like they're ever open. Kelsey looked like a shell of himself. You to know? be fair, the Giants' secondary really isn't that good. All they did was drop everyone back and – prevent coverage and yeah. forcing Mahomes to make throws and he wasn't making throws. I mean, by now into week eight, teams have figured things out where there's enough tape on teams for sure. The Chargers seemed affected by it. But I, I mean, and, and just kind of recapping and talking to some folks earlier in the week, it just sounds to me like the team has kind of figured out. Yeah, and as I was saying last week, I think they've had a lack of another receiver taking away a big corner in Sammy Watkins. They've also had protection issues. I think their best, or I would say their best lineman so far is rookie Creed Humphrey. He's their center. No, I don't know why he fell. He's one of the best center prospects in the last couple of years. And uh, I think it's only because he's a left-handed center, so the ball comes out in the opposite hand, obviously. I don't know what kind of change that means for the quarterback, maybe a couple inches to the left, obviously. But I think that uh, he's been the best lineman, unfortunately, because they had a revamped line. I know Joe Tooney's hurt. And I, it's just it's been underperforming, obviously, because their team has not looked the same at all, as you are saying. Some of the bigger surprises from the week come from uh, the New York Jets pulling out a win, of course, with Mike White, 34-31 <laughs> over the Bengals. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys also with a backup quarterback pull off the win in Minnesota, 20-16. to uh, Those are certainly exciting to see backups come in and drop 400 yards each. Yeah, I just want to talk about how the Minnesota Vikings basically play down a lot. Yeah. When, when They're a very good team. If someone drops 30 points on them, they'll score 30 points too. But when a backup quarterback or the Browns score 10 points against them or the Lions score 10 points against them, they're also going to score just as low as them for some reason. And tradi- I have no idea why. Dallas is a traditional team to do that as yeah. well. And lately, Dallas has been playing and you, much You better. never see the Vikings blow a team out. No, no, that's true. A they spe- can't. Yeah, they play down. And we're going to talk a little more about that situation in just a bit. Uh, thinking of blowouts, of course, the Eagles had their way with the lowly Lions. So the Lions, of course, are have yet to get their first win. Uh, no other blowouts. I mean, Seattle had their way with Jacksonville, but uh, most of the rest of the games were certainly... L.A. was a blowout. It was garbage time. They scored three touchdowns. Ah, okay. But uh, the surprise of the week for me is the old ball coach putting it on our boy Herbert out there and New England getting the win 27-24. Yeah, I was about to say that... we. I know we talked about it with the Ravens, at least, is that when Justin Herbert has been playing against very superior coaching, mm-hmm. like Bill Belichick and John Harbaugh so far, they he's been figured out very early and he's not been able to produce in that game. I know that they had a couple of, I don't know if Eckler scored once or twice, but Eckler was basically the only piece on this offense for this game, and Justin Jackson had some big run where he couldn't score on, but he ran 75-yard run. Other than that, they did not look good at all. I wouldn't blame Herbert. I would just say Brandon Staley's getting outcoached by these veteran coaches. He's a first-year coach. 
Yeah. I think their whole offense is getting out schemed. And there's Mike um, Williams hasn't been a factor for the last two or three games. No, and, and I can't blame it on Herbert either, but certainly the scheme worked, uh, and they were able to just slow him down to the point of not being effective. Yeah, and their their rush defense has also been pretty poor. I know Kenneth Murray has an ankle injury, and they have a couple other linebackers that are out as well, but they've not been able to stop the run at all. And Damian Harris, I know Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman, and Le'Veon Bell scored against them when they blew them out. They just can't stop anybody right now on the ground, and Damian Harris obviously continued that. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, also, uh, the Saints get the win against the Buccaneers. Tom Brady on that last drive, I think we all just thought he was going to go in and, and had plenty of time to bring him back, and he literally just threw a pick, plain as day. Uh, but the casualty comes with losing Jameis Winston for the season. Caleb, talk a little bit about that game. I think that, that well, the Bucs, since Tom Brady's been there, they're 1-3 against the Saints. Mm-hmm. The Saints have their number for some reason. Sean Payton, I guess, plays to play them it's every year. a great year. defense. Yeah, they, they, they played up. They played up, what I'm trying to say. They played really well, the defense, and they stopped Tom Brady in his tracks for most of the game. Looked really good, and I don't think it really matters who's quarterback there because they're just going to play old school. They got Mark Ingram back. They're going to run the ball a ton. They're going to check down. Michael Thomas should be back in two or three weeks minimum. They heard he's not in football shape, so that's why they're waiting on him. What but else has he been doing? They don't really need any deep throws or anything. They just need Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon in there to check down, and their defense is going to do a lot of work too. Yeah, and I think I believe Tony Dungy and Drew Brees was talking about this is when Tom Brady struggles the most, it's against teams with very good rush defense as an edge rushers and man to man coverage it's also very good. Yeah. And then when you look back at the games that he struggled in, it's basically been those games. And that's why the Saints have done so well against him. Yeah, being in that division against him, we saw them lose against the Bears last year on Monday or Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he was the famous four fingers, he thought it was fourth down. But, uh, yeah, that's how they've struggled so far. And he, every one of these Saints games, he just not has not looked like himself other than the playoff game, which was Drew Brees' last game, I believe. You want to talk about the Jets? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. I was saving it for later, but, yeah, let's Flacco. talk about the Jets. So last week, my hot take was Joe Flacco throws three touchdowns. Apparently, I met Mike White because yeah, you Joe met Flacco Mike White. suit up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was a great game, actually. It was fun to watch, I think. Mike White is very good compared to what the Jets have had the past four years. Yeah, and I think everyone's notably surprised by it. He, uh, you know, we watched again the recap uh, footage. It was slow going for a while, and then once he got concussed, he came back with the cape mm-hmm. out, knocked some rated. sense into him. My guy was going, and then he did the old Philly special type play to score the game winner. I think so. Yeah, and, well, and notably, the defense played the best that they have had or played this season so far, and their offense looked the best. Obviously, Michael Carter at 172 yeah. yards. Uh, they got. I know Corey Davis was out, but they got all the other receivers involved, and their offense was much better with Elijah Moore and with the other receivers involved and instead of just Corey. Is this and, the first time they've gotten Moore and Carter involved this much? In yeah, the, yeah. Well, Carter's Carter's snap chair has gone up every single week, and he's he's the clear starter now. Ty Johnson is the number two. Tevin Coleman's not playing, right? But it, it's definitely Michael Carter's backfield as the, as the one A for sure. And good. they need to get Elijah Moore more involved because yeah. over the last two games he's had a. A large impact so far. And the receivers have been playing really well, too. Keelan Cole in this game, there's a controversial butt cheek catch where he rolled out of bounds and they said it wasn't a catch, but he was yeah. down by last year's metrics. It's tough, man, especially being an old school guy. Like, I wish they would just come on, a catch is a catch. And to me, it feels like if you're, he secured it to the ground. And I don't. I know he didn't roll over out of bounds with it still secured. It shuffled around a little. But I mean, we got, we got to get past some of this. Yeah. I mean, the game was really well. We can also talk about that Thursday night game. Aaron Rodgers putting the team on his back with no receivers. Yeah. Vintage Randall Cobb. Yeah. It was pretty good. <laughs> Running backs and vintage Randall Cobb. At one point, it was like he would only force it to Randall Cobb in the end zone, but it paid off a couple it, of times. Unfortunately, that game came with a lot of losses Lots for of the lo- Packers. Yeah. They lost Robert Tunyon, torn ACL, 
and he's a big piece of their offense. So hopefully they can get – they didn't trade for one today. I know there's rumors about Evan Ingram, maybe Hayden Hurst going there. Maybe they'll pick up somebody else, but I don't – Watt and Murray also casualties from this game. We're not sure at this point how long Murray's out, are we, Josh? Uh, Murray's dealing with an ankle injury. I, there's a chance that he doesn't miss time at all, but he will not – probably be running around as much which i don't i don't i don't know why that play even happened to be honest why he yeah they had plenty of time to do whatever they needed to do other than that but to go back to the tight end situation they obviously lost robert tunyon and kylan hill both the acl tears and i know that jay sternberger who was formerly with the team just got released so that logan thomas could be activated on back on the washington roster mm-hmm. so he could be a possible pickup for them but other than that since the trade deadline's already gone slim pickings beyond us i don't know what else they would get right now and you said what he was ruled out before that game. But, I mean, Watt is out. Murray's right, out. So yeah. they have some real they're, casualties they're, yeah, going their forward. Offense, their whole team, really, is looking a lot different than it did week one. Yeah. And they're not the best team in the league right now because of injuries. I still think that they're in the playoff hunt, obviously. I think they're still the best team. Well, the Rams are tied right now 7-1 and one each, the Rams and the Cardinals. They're both going to be fighting out the rest of the – If it all depends on Kyler Murray. If he can play through his ankle injury like Wentz played through double ankle sprains, <laughs> yeah. then yeah. they'll be fine. But if, if he sits, then the Rams are taking this division. Yeah, and also DeAndre Hopkins didn't play too much in this game. I know he had basically a 70-yard touchdown called back. He got he got half the yard or most of the yardage, but the touchdown was called back, which I think should have been a touchdown, but he basically didn't play much. Two catches for 66 yards or something like that. That's a problem going forward if he's not going to be playing because I know when he hasn't been playing well or hasn't had as many snaps for the Cardinals, they have not produced very well, and Kyler has only played, I believe, one season without him. So, Yeah, it's... Uh Gosh, by week eight, the landscape certainly starts to change a little bit. Teams, like I said, start figuring each other out a little better. And then on top of that, we start to see these injuries type of creep in. Yeah, another narrative that's really hot in the news right now is Odo Beckham. How people are saying he's open every play, and they take out of context film saying he's open. It could be a run play for all we know. Right, and he's right. wide open in the middle of the field. I'm not obviously him and Baker don't have a connection for the past two or three years. He's been there. Obviously, they don't have a connection. I think that he's going to be moved during this off season, but. It's, I don't think it's all on Baker. I don't think it's all on Beckham. I just think it's not a it's not a it's connection. Not a fit. Yeah, sometimes yeah. that happens. Yeah, I think it's just like the Bears thing so far. I know Justin Fields is a rookie, and Allen Robinson, we've obviously seen as a very good receiver mm-hmm. in the years past. They just don't have a connection right now, and that doesn't mean that they're exclusively bad or whatever. Yeah, I do think yeah. that Justin Fields is better than Baker Mayfield, and I think that Baker has a problem hitting Odell. They seem they seem to have played better without him the last year and a half, basically, when he's missed games. And uh, Jarvis Landry seems to produce a lot better, and the team t- seems to flow a lot better. But it's hard to say right now with the running backs being in and out right now. Yeah, and I also want to touch on the the final play, essentially, for Arizona, with that pass to, to Green. Yeah. Um, looking it over, I mean, and there was a lot of hype that in the days uh, that you know followed it immediately, the weekend. Uh, I'm convinced the guy just wasn't prepared it's at just all. just a miscommunication. It, it clearly looked like he was run-blocking. And he was just surprised anyone. Later, the coach did say it was a miscommunication. But, of course, Kyler is going to look upset that his guy didn't turn around. But it it's everything's stacked left. you got a lone guy on the right who's clearly run-blocking, in my opinion. It was just a bad communication. A.J. Green shouldn't be frowned upon I mean, as you much remember as this three years ago? I believe it was against Denver. The last second of the game, Big Ben threw a pass just like that to A.B., and he wasn't looking, and he got intercepted in the end zone. So Yeah, it definitely These things happens. happen all the time, especially with a Hall of Famer like Big Ben and A.B. Yeah, Green's especially, a veteran. He, he, if he thought at, at all, the, yeah. the, the, the miscommunication. Yeah, especially when the emotions like that at the end of the game, very antsy, very yeah. iffy call. I mean, he could have thought that it was going to Hopkins on that side or whatnot because Hopkins was out there for that play, I believe. Hopkins on that side, and he threw it to him, and it ended up being A.J. Green or whatnot because – 
I mean, it's, it's, they got to determine the call very quickly because of that last few plays. Yeah, and let's not forget the quarterback's ultimately looking for you know single coverage, and he sees the guy isoed on the right side, and he sees single coverage, no safety up top, so he's naturally going to look to make that read. Yeah, and also the problem with that is you can blame Cliff's, Cliff Kingsbury for all of it because mm-hmm. he should be pulling the reins back because there's still a minute and a half almost on the clock during that. Pretty You're aggressive. giving Aaron Rodgers too much time with two timeouts. Why are teams not running the football like they should well, run the football? Chase Edmonds has one of the worst – Goal or they have James Conner, so not even chasing him. Yeah, yeah so they should have no just excuse. ran the ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't Good know. Point. I don't know why he had that scramble or whatever he did, where he was basically half a yard short or whatever. Right. But they ruled it a first down still. But mm-hmm. we also can't discount the interception that Rasul Douglas also had in the end, back of the end great zone play. off of AJ Green. That was a great play as well. Yeah, very heads up. Uh, obviously, the Carolina Panthers continue to struggle. They did take care of the Atlanta Falcons, however, nineteen to thirteen. Miserable. Miserable. Yeah, I can't. We can't step away without talking about Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell's had 300-yard games, basically. I know he's missed one or two games, but he's been really good stepping in ever since his first game against the Lions. He had to replace Raheem Mostert, came in there and had 100 yards and a touchdown immediately. He's just been super productive. He's been very good running back so far, and I don't see how they're going to put anyone else in this offense with him because he's. I, I think he's been the best running back they've had with Kyle Shanahan, in my opinion. Yeah, not not who they thought they would get by drafting Tracy the other Trey. Yeah, yeah I don't... I, I don't like uh, Lynch's drafting or anything like that. I talk about it all the time how they they traded DeForest Buckner, who's basically the clear number two defensive tackle in the league, defensive lineman in the league behind Aaron Donald. They traded him for a defensive lineman, straight up one for one. Javon Kinlaw only has one sack over the last two seasons. I think that was a terrible trade. And they also don't know how to get other receivers involved. I just have a problem with the team right now. But Elijah Mitchell is the star so far. Yeah, their offense does funnel all their targets to one guy it's usually Kittle but now it's been Debo other teams do this you see it in the Bengals they funnel it to Chase and then the Rams they funnel it to Cup not saying that's bad but I'm saying it's it's not a good way to run an offense it works I guess it's working right now for all three of those teams but man it's frustrating to watch yeah the hard thing for me is I told you I'm not a Shanahan fan in terms of of what he does he's a brilliant offensive mind but as a head coach I struggle with some of his decisions, but you're right. Mitchell seems like it's a clear step forward. They're still going to have problems with Garoppolo, and we don't know how long before they decide to go Trey Sermon. I mean, Trey Sermon with Trey Lance, <laughs> yeah, as their starter. The other side of the ball, surprisingly, head coach is out uh, because of COVID, and the, the offense, although they did not win the game, I think it's clear uh, that they looked pretty good on offense without their offensive head coach, their head coach, Matt Nagy. Yeah, it was really the two rookies put the team on their back the past few weeks, Justin Fields and Khalil Herbert. They're both playing like veterans. I know Justin Fields had a bunch of picks against the Bucks. I think it was, because of miscommunications with Matt Nagy on the sideline, saying there's 12 men on the field, and he's mm-hmm. forcing it because he thought it would be a flag, free play. But, yeah, he's playing really good. Justin Fields looks very impressive as far as an athlete and as a quarterback. So just give him more time, Bears fans. Figure it out, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be very good. And it always feels like half of the interceptions that Fields throw are off of Darnell Mooney's hands for no reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. But the, the communication between the receivers and Fields hasn't exactly been there. But you can see Justin Fields' playmaking starting to pop way more than it did earlier in the season. He's starting to put out big plays. We saw the just, uh, the Jesse James touchdown. We also saw the the rushing touchdown, which felt like he, which felt like he ran almost like the entire field running back and forth making every defender miss, but he played very well, as you said. Yeah, I'd, I'd be very interested to see what they draft in this draft. They should be a middle round, middle of the first round pick. I'm look, I think they'll get a receiver from Ohio State, get some chemistry going over there. Well, yeah, but they traded to, to the Giants for Justin Fields. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think the, the funny part, and you guys feel free to chime in on this, I love how whenever Justin Fields does something 
awesome. You know, hey, Justin Fields is great. But whenever there's some bad quarterback play, it always falls back on the team or the coaching staff, you know. But yeah, and that's the case for everybody except for, let's see, Joe Burrow, Zach Wilson, um, probably a couple other guys. But the NFL and the media kind of pick some people just to praise and whatever they yeah, do is – something to kind of bully. Yeah. yeah, they bully Tua right now. We talked about that last week, but anyway – so uh, the other games that we need to follow up on, Buffalo had their hands full early with Miami, but later on they were able to pull away and win 26-11. to The Pittsburgh Steelers did, in fact, upset the Cleveland Browns 15-10 to in Cleveland. Of course, we mentioned the Eagles ran away with the Lions 44-6. Uh, last game we want to talk about, Tennessee Titans, uh, Colts, big, big uh, interdivisional conference game. This was a tough one because Carson Wentz threw two late picks. One of them was the flailing fall down, try not to get a safety pickoff. I uh, don't know how much that affects key, team morale when they see their guy do that. But all in all, both of these teams were balling out with the exception of Henry clearly hobbling through most of the game. What was your guys' take on this one? Uh, my take was run the ball in the second half. <laughs> the Colts always seem to be always just passing or always just running. For some reason, when they're down, they run. When they're up, they don't. I don't know. That just seems to be the trend. I know that Taylor, I believe, had one or two touches in the fourth quarter and then one in the in the overtime where he could have had an easy 20-yard gain on the last play of the game. But I, I, the problem is the, is rushing. Taylor basically started out the game with 70 yards in the first few minutes when they had the first two drives, and then he didn't get anything for the rest of the game for the most part other than the last few seconds of the fourth quarter. And they just need to change that up. He's obviously one of the most effective and efficient players in the league this year, and he will probably lead the league in rushing because of Henry going down. So they need to utilize him way more with a ton of easy games coming up in the Jets and the Jags. I just can't understand why. They, I mean, they just don't run the guy. Like it doesn't make sense. When guys are hot, you're hot. You know. I mean, players want to get momentum, and it seems like whenever he has momentum, they pull him out of the game. And it's super, super frustrating to watch. Yeah, let's talk about the league for one second. Looking at all the records, it looks really cool. There's only two divisions that seem locked right now: the NFC North and the NFC East, with Dallas and Packers both three games over the second person mm-hmm. or second team in that league. That division. Sorry. Yeah, we're about halfway through. Yeah, and, and like there's a, a, most divisions are either tied like. AFC North, the Ravens and the Bengals are both mm-hmm. five and two, five and three, because the Ravens have already had a bye. And well, the Steelers and Browns are both four-win teams. So let's start there. The Ravens are clearly a game up because they haven't had as many losses as Cincinnati, but they five two, five three, and as you mentioned, you have a four and three, four and four Steelers and Browns. So this division is still very much up for grabs. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing up in the air for the NFC, at least, is the last wild card spot. We know the Packers are going to go, the Bucks, likely the Saints, the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Cowboys. We have one more spot there. And every all those teams combined three and five, zero oh and eight, four and four, three and four, three and four, three and five, two and six, two and six, and three and five. These teams are all basically have the same record, so it'd be interesting to see what team comes out of there at the last wild card spot. And for the AFC, as you're just saying, it's very close across the board for the most part, with mm-hmm. the Chiefs not performing and the Bills being very close to the Patriots. I know they had a bye week, so the Patriots. Let's move over to the AFC West because the Raiders are clinging to a five-two uh, win. And I say win lead in that division of course but four and three four and four four and four so this one essentially especially with the injuries of late and john gruden's exit makes the raiders certainly a candidate to fall off the top of that as well so that one is is locked as you said bills and patriots are on the top of that division it would take a lot for me to see Tua and the dolphins come back to win the division and certainly not the jets at this point yeah i mean the only teams i would say that don't have a chance to make playoffs in my opinion would be the Jets, the Dolphins, because the start's been such so atrocious, and the Jaguars, the Texans, the Lions, 
Uh, probably the Falcons and the Giants, Washington football team. So let me ask you this. With the Titans right now 6-2 and two in their division, Colts 3-5, and five, do we see the Colts still able to make a run for this division? Is still early enough for them to do that? I, I would think so because you look at the Tennessee Titans, obviously their defense has not played very well. They played the best football they have the last two weeks, and Harold Landry's played very well all season, but that's basically the only bright spot on the defense, and we know that Derrick Henry just went down. We don't know what this team looks like with Ryan Tannehill. Obviously, they have a new offense coordinator because Arthur Smith's with the Falcons. We have never seen them without Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. so it's going to be a big problem on this offense, and they also only have one healthy receiver right now, which we, we're going to have to see how the offense plays out, and the defense is going to have to keep up. Now, with a healthy Julio, do you see them becoming more of a pass-happy team? Are they capable of doing that without Derrick Henry? No. No? They're too predictable. If they don't, They're going to have Jerry McNichols and a 40-year-old AP running out there. <laughs> Jerry McNichols has been cut by four different teams. Yeah, no He's doubt. not a stellar player by any means. I know he had a 12-catch game this year or something crazy. But I think that's an anomaly, and people are very high on him for no reason. I wouldn't be pumping up the Titans right now. I'd be talking about the Colts more for that yeah, division. definitely room there. All right, let's sl- go ahead. Yeah, hey, I was just going to say that the Colts still have their Jaguars games left, and they also have the Jets this week. I think they have an easier schedule coming up. They also have a much healthier team, a much superior defense. The quarterback play is actually better on the Indianapolis Colts this year, and the offensive line is also healthy. We know that Taylor lewan has been in and out for the Titans or the Bills if you're uh, Chris Broussard. But, yeah, I think I think the Colts have a very good chance to take this this division. And I don't think I don't think it's a lock by any means for the Titans. Okay, moving over to the NFC. As we said, the West right now, Carolina and the Ram up uh, Carolina. Arizona Cardinals and Los Angeles Rams are clearly the front runners at seven and one. Um, do you believe that the 49ers have enough to make a run at this still? Are they gonna stick around? They're currently four games back. And Russell Wilson basically posted a picture today of the pen that they removed from his hand and he said he's ready to come play some football. So they're three and four, three and five respectively. Is there still enough room in this division for them to make a run? I think the Niners and Seahawks are fighting for a wild card spot. I don't think the Rams are going to slow down whatsoever. They're definitely going to win this division, in my opinion. And the Cardinals, if they could somehow muster some ankle injuries at the quarterback position, they could vouch for that first seed spot too. But they're going to get a wild card spot, the Cardinals or the Rams, or win it. And so that leaves the 49ers and Seattle fighting for the other one. I'd say if it ended right now, your, your winners are going to be Tampa Bay, Arizona, Dallas, and Green Bay. No one else from the NFC East or North is really showing that they're capable of making the playoffs. Now, two teams that would be in right now would be the Saints at five and two and the Rams at seven and one, leaving Carolina, San Francisco, and Seattle, assuming the Falcons continue to be terrible, uh, out of the race. So they would have to for the 49ers to get in. They would have to either be better than the Rams or Saints to get the wild card. So the Rams, Saints, Panthers, Niners, Seattle are all fighting for this. There's only one more spot, right? Yeah, you're gonna have your four division winners and you're gonna have your two wild cards. Two wild cards per conference. Yeah. Oh yeah, so the Rams or right Cardinals, now it's Rams and Saints. Yeah, that's I don't see any room for anyone else, but Seattle and 49ers will be fighting for that spot if the Saints somehow can't get it going without a quarterback, or if the Rams or Cardinals somehow just have a major injury. I don't see. I don't know. This is really tough. AFC West, AFC West is the tightest division as far as up talent on top. They have Cardinals yeah. and Rams both seven and one. That's very hard to get a wild card spot. Yeah, and halfway through, I mean, you can't rule anyone out of the AFC North, like we said. It's clear that the Jaguars, Texans, Josh, as you said, ruled out. Um, I, is it even too early to call the Broncos? I mean, can they make a run still at 4-4? Four and four? I mean, Chiefs are 4-4. Four and four. Now, The AFC is very hard, other than the AFC South. The yeah. AFC North is locked up 5-5-4-4 five, five, four, four win teams. Yeah. And the, every other week, one of the teams in the AFC North looks like the best team in the division. It yeah. switches so much. Safe to say, halfway through, we do not have this thing figured out. There's a lot more football to go, 
So with that said, we look ahead going inside the stats. This is a segment where we dive just a little bit deeper into some interesting and telling stats. Josh, what do you have for us this week inside the stats? Yep, so I'm going to be starting off with the wide receiver leaders. For number one, we have Cooper Cup. He's basically been the number one for a majority of the season. I think every single week, actually, but 920, or 924 yards. We also have Debo Samuel at number two, 819. Jamar Chase remains at three with 786. Devontae Adams, 744. He did not play this week. We also have Tariq Hill at 735. Go to the running backs. Derrick Henry is going to be holding this spot for another week or two. 937. We also have Jonathan Taylor, 649. We also have Nick Chubb, 584. Joe Mixon, 572. Ezekiel Elliott, 571. Right behind them in 500s as well, we have Damian Harris and Daryl Henderson, 517, 507. Move on to the quarterbacks. Tom Brady, still the number one in passing, 2,650. We have Matthew Stafford, 2,477. Patrick Mahomes jumps up at 2,368. We have Kyler Murray, 2,276. And Derek Carr, still in the top five after a bye week, 2,269. And we go to the defenders. Tackles, we have Bobby Wagner moving up to two. Kenny Young for the Rams, 96. Probably be the first one to 100. Bobby Wagner, 93. Denzel Perriman, 81. And Roquan Smith at 80. For sacks, these have basically been... The best edge rushers per grade, per PFF, the whole year. It reflects in the sacks as well. Miles Garrett, 10.5. TJ Watt, 8.5. Harold Landry, 8.5. Matthew Judon, 8. And Hassan Reddick at 7.5. And interceptions have remained the same so far. And I believe Force Fumble's leader is Josh Norman, surprisingly. Surprisingly. Old school. So my boy Diggs didn't get anything this week. No. Nope. He jumped one. It looked good for a split second, but he couldn't quite jump it. Yep, and beyond that, we're going to go into some quarterbacks here. We know that Mike White, he, we were not expecting him to do this, obviously, but <laughs> no. he had a very good game. He's only, I think he's the second best game for a rookie, or for his first start. We know that Cam Newton, I believe, had 450 yards. Mike White had over 400. He's also the first quarterback to have 400 yards and three touchdowns in his first game since anybody. He's the first one to do so. And he's also the second quarterback to throw over 400 yards, period. So he's in a league with Cam Newton as his first start. 400 yards, period, yeah, as a first-time start. Yeah. Got it, yeah. Yep, and we also have Daniel Jones. Or Sorry, sorry. I'm going to go back to, to the Jets real quick. Yeah. We have Elijah Moore. 58% of his balls have been deemed uncatchable when playing with Zach Wilson. When he played with Mike White, he went 6-for-6. Six six. Caught every single ball. Targets were there. <laughs> he was able to catch them. Hey, Moving on. Calculus teacher, but I think that uh, yeah, you know I don't have a degree is. in algebra or anything, but you know. yeah. Keep your eyeballs on that guy. <laughs> Moving on, we have Daniel Jones. I, it always seems that he's on every spotlight game for some reason. Third-year elite, man. Did not notice this, but he's also lost every single one of those. <laughs> he is 0-7 in seven primetimes games. He is the worst quarterback and first quarterback to do so. I hate to say it, but just like Elijah Moore, you know, we're right. He's going to be great. We were right about this guy. Daniel Jones, the chicken quesadilla of the draft. Yeah. Whoever said that. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever said that's brilliant, but yeah, we were right. Sorry, the, the numbers just prove we were right. Keep going, Josh. I'm sorry. Yep, and for the last one, I have Adrian Peterson. We know that he's now on the Titans. He's the only player from the 2007 draft to still be playing, other than, I believe, a special teams player who has not played a single down in football other than special teams. I believe he's a tight end for the Saints. Yeah, the running back from 2007 is the only player from that draft still in the league. 14 years. I don't know if I should clap or be real concerned because, uh, you know, at his age, if he takes a hit, this this could be, I don't know, 
Good old AP. He was good for a minute. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. He was definitely. We'll see. Kind of good. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if they hand it off to him twenty times a game. Try to get that same type of style role out of him, like Derrick Henry. What kind of what kind of success story would that be if he absolutely blows it up? I mean, in fairness, as an old guy, if you only have to play half the season, that's pretty fantastic. Well, yeah. But thanks, Josh. Apparently, as always. he's ready. Yeah, he's ready. Thank you, Josh. We appreciate it as always. We're going to go ahead and take a look and preview Week Nine. Uh, what matchups, guys? I have one right off the top of the bat, but I'm going to let you guys go first. Take a look at these matchups for me. Some of these matchups are not quite as consequential, but I'll tell you right off the bat, one of them that is important, at least for the playoff races, Arizona at San Francisco, the Sunday 425 game. That one's a big one. What do you guys see on the schedule that stands out? Well, Browns versus Bengals is very important for that division. They're all neck and neck, and it could go either way. You can literally flip a coin on who's going to win this game. It's a divisional game. I believe it's at, at Bengals, so at Cincinnati, which I don't know if that really matters for this division. It's a hardcore division. They're going to be running a lot. Probably see a lot of force Jamar Chase. He'll probably bust another touchdown. I don't know what the Browns can do. Hopefully they get Nick Chubb going. Yeah, for me, I would say Ravens and Vikings. We, I think that the, I'm, I'm pretty sure and confident that the Ravens will beat the Vikings. But we also have the Steelers and the Bears. We need the Bears to win because the Vikings lose. They're very, they're up there with the Vikings for an opportunity to make the playoffs in the wild card spot. We also have the Steelers that have to win to match the very tight division. As you're saying five wins, five wins, four wins, four wins. Mm-hmm. Very tight division. So. Ravens, I think, will win, and I think the Steelers will also need to pull it out. Either one of them need to pull out to win the division. Some notable games in terms of getting their season back on track or keeping it on track. The Titans will visit the uh, L.A. Rams, of course, Sunday night football. That's a, that's a must-watch because both these teams need to stay in the hunt on their division. Green Bay also, I think, is a must-win. Um, well, they, they can afford to lose, but Kansas City, if they're going to turn it around, that's a super important game for them as well. Yeah, I was just about to say, Kansas City, they have to get something going to – take a lead on this on the division i know the division started out very hot all of them ex- other than the chiefs but they need to get back on track because the division still is pretty close all things considered i know the raiders are up a game on them but they also had a bye week so they technically are up another game on them so they need to pull this out to take lead of the division the division's been stalling as i was saying so they need to take advantage without a doubt that brings us to the next segment of our show we give you our locks of course this is just just what it says. We pick a game off the schedule that we guarantee should walk away with a victory. Caleb, what is your lock of week nine? It is New England against Carolina. We're watching Bill Belichick do Bill Belichick things. He's out coaching coaches, and Matt Rule isn't a great coach in my opinion, especially with Sam Darnold back there. He's getting slaughtered, and their O-line's pretty questionable. So Bill Belichick's definitely going to have to force Sam Darnold to throw the ball which he's not been good at this year. Not to mention most of the lines currently have New England winning the game at uh, – they're giving up four points. So that's a good one. Josh, your luck. Yep, for me, I'm going to say the L.A. Chargers over the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that this is the first game in a couple of games that the Chargers have not played against a superior head coach. I know they played against the Cowboys, the Ravens, and Bill Belichick. Three very good coaches in the NFL. It's playing against Nick Sirianni this week, who is yet to be proven in the league so far. I know that Brandon Staley is also a rookie head coach, but I think that this is a good spot for them considering that they have way more passing yards per game. Rushing yards per game, uh, surprisingly, the Eagles are a little bit better because of last week. But other than that, I think they have a better offense. And all things considered, I think they're better across the board other than time of possession. I know that their big problem has been going three and out and getting the ball into the opposing team's hands very quickly. They've not had long drives at all, and I think that was a problem last year. But when they string things together, they can defeat teams very easily, I think, with all the talent that they have. 
So for my lock, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Pittsburgh's at home. Chicago, as we've said before, their offense is not quite clicking. They do have a rookie quarterback, and I think that the Pittsburgh defense is veteran enough to make that rookie quarterback and the rookie running back pay just a bit. So with that said, I think Pittsburgh uh, are going to pull it out for sure. All right, let's move into our upsets. Let's continue to go around the table. Caleb, give me your upset of the week. I have Philly over the Chargers, so the opposite of what Josh had for his lock. They're allowing 132 rushing yards a game to running backs, the Chargers are, which is worst period in the league. (laughs) And I believe that their best running back is Jalen Hurts. He's averaging like 65 yards a game, which is insane, as a quarterback rushing. So the Chargers are not going to be able to stop them. I believe last week they had three 60-yard rushers and all had rushing touchdowns, all the running backs on their team. So the Chargers, I don't think they're going to be able to stop that. That's why I have Philly over the Chargers. Josh? Yep, for me, it doesn't feel great, but I'm going to go the Giants over the Raiders. Uh, Two teams in relatively uh, similar situations other than the quarterback position. We know that the running backs for the Raiders have not been playing very well. I know Josh Jacobs only has 200 rushing yards so far, and they're going to be losing potentially their number one receiver, number two receiver, Henry Ruggs, and also Darren Waller might miss this game as well. Uh, the Giants' defense has just been way better, in my opinion. They've had more interceptions, more sacks, more time of possession, more rushing yards, more everything basically other than passing yards. And uh, I think that this, it's an opportunity for the Giants to take advantage of a, a hobbled Raiders team at home. So, Yep, I agree. Uh, I'm going to go. This one's not really a stretch because the lines are between a point to pick them. But technically the Green Bay Packers visiting the Kansas City Chiefs would be the underdog. So I'm taking Green Bay. I think Kansas City's continuing to just stall. Um, you know, we've talked about it before on and off the the broadcast here. But Kansas City just looks like they're figured out. Uh, the coach looks like he's figured out. The, the, the three key players in Kelsey Hill uh, and Mahomes look like they're figured out. They don't have a significant running game. They have beefed up their defense with the move, you know, recently here in free agency. However, I just don't think it's enough. Green Bay will confuse uh, Mahomes uh, with this uh, with this with their scheme this week for sure. Yeah, I forgot to also add that the best player in in that game, Raiders-Giants, also might be back. Saquon Barkley might be returning more than likely to that game, which is obviously a big boost for the offense. And going against that Raiders defense, that's kind of lacked in the secondary. He can break long runs, so it's going to be tough to break. And we saw this happen a lot against the Raiders last year and Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry. So It's a huge upside to getting their best, you know, one of their best players back. So. All right, great job, guys. I'm going to ask each of you guys now for some hot takes going into week nine. Caleb, what is your hot take for the week? Michael Carter will have 100 rushing yards against the Colts. Love it. He should. Back to back. If they feed him, right? No reason why they won't. If they want to win. Maybe the Colts will take notice and and feed their running back. Well, we uh, we saw Mike White dump the ball off a lot in that game. We saw him pass to Ty Johnson and Michael Carter a lot, so... I would expect them to get the ball to the running backs a lot, just like last week, and I think it's a great matchup against the Colts, who do have a pretty stout defense. I know they have some holes in the secondary, but it's a great spot for dump-offs, especially for what we've seen from Michael Carter the last two games. Josh, did you have a hot take for us? Yep, for me, I'm going to say that Jacoby Myers scores his first receiving touchdown in the NFL. I know it's hard to see that he has not scored yet, and there's been times where he's scored and it's been called back by flags, so I think it's I think it's a good spot for him to take – his first touchdown in the league. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a hot take. Uh, I, I kind of echo everything you guys are saying. I do think there's some teams that's not very hot takeish that are going to just continue to roll. I think the Rams and Buffalo uh, and New England are just going to continue to to make waves. They're starting to figure some things out. So, 
Looking forward to some good football out of those teams. All right. As always, we have a segment each week called Educated Guests. These are waiver wire players that you might want to keep your eyes on. Of course, I say it every week. Look at the top of your waiver wire in your respective fantasy league, and you'll find those people out there. These are guys that may be a little harder to find, but just keep your eyes on them. Caleb, who do you have? Number one, Mike White. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I have three today. I'm going to start with number three. I have Dan Arnold, tight end for Jacksonville. He's getting tight end one volume. The last two weeks that he's played this game passed, he had eight out of ten, eight catches out of ten targets, 68 yards, which is a ton of targets, especially on Jacksonville. He's probably their second most targeted player on their team right now. He's 5% owned in Yahoo, and his schedule's pretty pretty light other than Buffalo and the Rams the rest of the year. He plays Atlanta, the Colts, Houston, and the Jets, so keep an eye on Darren Arnold if you need a tight end. Number two, Cedric Wilson. Keep an eye on him. Dallas Cowboys. I know Gallup's coming back. You might want to trade for Gallup, too. But I have Cedric Wilson because he's mostly free. He's 2% owned in most leagues. And Cooper's kind of banged up. He's been playing through a quad, hamstring, whatever. Ten different injuries. It's Amari Cooper. But he's been playing through them and playing well. Keep an eye for Cedric Wilson. He has a a 4.5-point floor in PPR. So he's a very high floor for a free receiver. Right, right. And they script a lot of plays around him specifically, probably two or three a game, and one of them usually works for a big gain. So keep an eye on him. The number one pickup this week is Jarrett Patterson. I know he's on a bye. He is the Washington football team's handcuffed to Gibson. Gibson is getting phased out of this offense. I'm sorry if you drafted him in the first or second round. That is on you. We've talked about it a lot, but he had 11 rushes for 46 yards in this game, and he out-snapped and out-carried Gibson in the last game and then lost to Denver. So Gibson had the third most carries on that team for running back that game. He's getting phased out. Jarrett Patterson is 2% owned, and he's running four yards a carry right now, and he was looking to take that job slowly but surely. Yeah, and just something I wanted to add on to Jarrett Patterson. As we saw with the Eagles is that everyone was picking up Kenneth Gainwell. If he wasn't already picked up, he basically retained the role that he had prior with Miles Sanders and Boston Scott took over the rushing role. That's probably what we'll see with the Washington football team and Jarrett Patterson would take over as the lead rusher in our opinions. Yep, so let me recap them. Number three is Dan Arnold, tight end for Jacksonville. Number two, Cedric Wilson, wide receiver for Dallas. And number one is Jarrett Patterson, running back for the Washington football team. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Caleb. All right, we're going to move into a segment of the show we like to call Buy or Sell. It's quite simple. I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to ask if each of these guys are buying or selling. First question. Mike White deserves to be the Jets starter the rest of the season. I'm buying. What a surprise. I think that it's the whole team is marginally better with Mike White out there. They're playing better than they played with Darnold in years past. They're, they have a weird energy about them right now, especially in this game beating arguably a top team in the AFC. People say that. But they beat the Bengals, and it was a very good game for Mike White. Like Josh said earlier, it's a historic game for a first start of a quarterback. You don't see the offense working this well with Zach Wilson. We haven't seen it yet. I know he's a rookie, but Mike White's played less games than Zach Wilson. So First start. First start. Mike White is very good, and the team loves him, and they're only going to get better if they keep staying behind him, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm going to sell. I hope that I'm wrong because I, I don't I don't believe that, not because I want to bet against Zach Wilson, but I just don't think that Zach Wilson is a great quarterback. And I think that Mike White being drafted by the Cowboys, ironically, could be the next Tony Romo. I would like to believe that, but I don't know if it's going to happen. But I think that this team, as you're saying, rallies behind Mike White a lot more. Obviously, 
the only game he's played they've won, so it's going to be one-sided for the most part. But I do believe that they do rally around him more. I know Ty Johnson was saying, yeah, this guy's the GOAT, like joking around. But he was very excited to have Mike White starting. And when Mike White won, he had told everyone about it. He told them all about him. So the team rallies around him. It's exciting to see, and I hope that he does well for the rest of the year. But I don't think that he'll be the starter for the rest of the year because of obviously them spending the number two pick on Zach Wilson. Yeah, for me, it's not that I don't think that Mike White may be more capable uh, than Zach. It's just I think that they've invested so much in, in you know in Wilson that Mike's probably not going to get the chance very long. So in that regard, uh, I'm going to say that I am I'm going to sell it on that regard. Although you know I don't wish anyone uh, unwell either, but I think Mike White will will not um, be the rest of the, the start of the rest of the way. Yeah, and I think it's different for somebody that gets drafted at the beginning of the first right. versus like a third rounder. I know we have Elijah Mitchell out playing Trey Sermon, and he's getting the job because of that, because he's been playing better in practices and in games. And we saw that if if Mike White plays better continuously than Zach Wilson does, I think that just because Zach Wilson was drafted so high, he will get the chance. But that's not to say if Zach Wilson continues to play bad that Mike White can't not be the starter of the future. So Yeah, 100%. But for this year, I'm selling. Yeah, I, and, I, and you know, I just think for exactly what you said, the investment's too high um, for Wilson not to get more opportunities. But I hope they go with, uh, with Mike. But if Mike White drops 400 yards every game. You know, because let's go back a few years. I mean, Tony Romo wasn't quite done. He was hobbled potentially with some back injuries on and off. But when he did go down that last time and Dak came in and played that well, it was really hard. And I remember having those conversations with a lot of people that it's super hard to take your franchise guy with still wear on the tire um, and to pull him out of the game for a rookie just because he's playing well. Yeah, I know. Mike White was a fifth-round pick, I believe, from the Cowboys three years ago. He sat for three years. But, yeah, he got his first start, and I, I we have no idea what he is, obviously. I mean, I know that someone bet, I believe, 1,000 or 10,000 on Mike White being the leading passer of Week 8, mm-hmm. and he was the leading passer of the Week 8, and I believe he got 125 grand. It was, it was an insane bet, but I, I just don't see it happening again, as I was saying before, but yeah, I would like to see him succeed. All right, moving along. The Lions are by far the worst team in the NFL. I'm going to play semantics. No, I'm selling. They'll have the worst record, but they're not the worst team in the league. I think that the Texans are the worst team in the league. I think the Texans do nothing well other than that random game. They played decent against Bill Belichick, and I believe Davis Mills had 300 yards against them, which is an anomaly. Mm -hmm. I think the Texans are by far worse than them because the Lions, every game other than this blowout from the Eagles has been tight. They've been in almost every game for at least three quarters, and I think that their team is very good, and they have a a chip on their shoulder, even though they are arguably the worst team in the league. They play up in a lot of situations. I can't talk. They play up in a lot of situations. I like them a lot. I like Dan Campbell. I think in a few years, maybe when golf's gone and they actually draft a few times with Dan Campbell, teams going to look a lot better. They have that. They're building that culture there that you would want to see in a team that's rebuilding. They believe in themselves. They believe in the team. I don't think they're the worst team in the league, but they're definitely got the worst record. Yeah, I'm also going to sell. I don't think they're by far the worst team in the NFL, but just as Caleb said, they'll more than likely have the worst record in the league and will look like the worst team. I know that they're organization has not been a winning organization i think they've only been at the playoffs two or three times in their existence unfortunately for lions fans but i think that's kind of just what's held around what the lions are people kind of expect the lions to be terrible unfortunately i think they will be one of the worst teams and probably have the worst record but i think that across the board even right now that the texans and the jags still have and the dolphins have worse stats than them across the board we know that Tua Mm -hmm. didn't play every single game but uh, the only thing I know that Jared Goff's throwing, he is close to 2,000 yards, but it's not doing anything for him, obviously. 
and their defense moved from the the last in the league because of last game where they got 40 po- points scored on them. But their team honestly hasn't looked like the worst team in the league, as you're saying. I think they have a couple of bright spots, but it's because they're also lacking on a lot of injuries. They've had a lot of injuries in the offensive line, and Panay Sewell's kind of had to pick that up. And they have no receiving weapons. I know they have TJ Hawkinson, but they haven't been in the red zone. And they have DeAndre Swift, who basically has to score 60 yards out. I know he had a big play against the Rams, but I, the, the team's missing a lot, and I don't. they're still not the worst team, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I thought it would be fun to kind of take a look into the history of this team, uh, and I did that by virtue of how old I am. Um, so here's here's what I pulled up, and you mentioned how many playoff. How many do you guys think seasons they've appearances? actually – Playoff appearances that they've actually made uh, since I've been alive, 72 three. to now. You said three? Yeah, I said three a second ago, but I th- – I th- You said two. Two or three, yeah. Okay. So because I'm, I'm, I'm basing it on how long I've been alive, they've been around longer than I have. Um, so this is only back to 1972. They went a long time. They went into the 80s when they lost in a divisional round and round one. Then 1991. Now here's what's important about the 90s. We all know legendary Hall of Famer uh, Barry Sanders was drafted, and Wayne Fonts uh, was almost – Almost the only coach that he played for. He played for Wayne Fonts and Bobby Ross. During that time, three years in, they lost in the conference championship. This is fascinating. So one, two, three, four years in a row, Barry Sanders and Wayne Fonts got them. And you're not going to believe this. They had a 10-6 record in 95. So they went four years in a row. Well, they went three years in a row. Or you could say they went five out of – they went yeah. four out of five. Uh, and then they switched coaches. Bobby got them there in 97. Um, and then you skip skip 1997. They went through a, just a plethora of coaches. Finally, Jim Swartz in 2011. Uh, they were 10 and six. And then under Jim Caldwell in 2014. Now it's also important to note that this is 2007 to 2015 is the Megatron era. They went twice. So essentially, they went six times with Barry Sanders, twice with Megatron, uh, and in the modern era from what's modern era in my era from 72 to now. They've been 12 times. Yeah, I, I know that they went with Stafford a couple of years ago. I, I don't know. I think it played against the Giants or something. But, uh, yeah, that's the only one that I remember, and I don't remember how many times they went with Barry Sanders, but that's more than I would have yeah, guessed, obviously. Yeah, that's the surprise thing. But I think when we, we talk about when they're bad, they're bad. Um, they've been real bad with the 3 and you know the three and 13, and, of course, uh, the 0 and 16, famously, 3 and 12 in 2019. So when they're bad, they're bad. Now, all that – that's just free. I'm, that that has nothing to say with my answer. I actually agree with you guys 100%. I do think that for the first time in a long time, I think they like their coach. I think they like their culture. Although I've always said that winning starts top down and the Ford family should sell the team. They've just never been the right ownership group for this team. When they do have decent coaches uh, like they had in Jim Caldwell, I mean, they, they get rid of the guy when he was nine and seven, two years in a row, you know, because they, they thought they could get more out of that and yeah. they, they just can't. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm with you guys. The Lions are statistically semantics going to finish with the worst record, but I don't think they're the worst team. Yeah. And just as you said, I think that the, the, the coaching staff for this team is superior to that of the Jags and the Texans who are also considered at the bottom as well. I think they just have a better, as you're saying, environment it just feels a lot better like when they're they the team rallies a lot better with dan campbell and the team produces well with dan campbell it's just as i was saying before there's a lot of holes in the team and i none of us think they're the worst team in the league because of those three things i think and i think that we that's why we all sold 
Yeah, I want to point, I want to ask you guys a question because Jim Caldwell came in in 2014. The last two years, Megatron was there. His first season as head coach, 11 and 5, 7 and 9, 9 and 7, 9 and 7. Made the playoffs two out of those four years. You fire a guy with that record? I mean, two out of four playoff appearances, literally three out of four winning seasons. I mean, in that division against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I don't know that you do that. I mean, in fairness, the Jim Caldwell era should not have ended that quickly. No. But that goes back, like I said, to the owners again. Didn't he have other opportunities to be a head coach before the Lions as well? I'd have to do some homework on Caldwell to see where he came from. I, I remember seeing that his record was really bad overall somewhere, but I, obviously, as you're saying, in the Lions, he did pretty well. Yeah, we'll have to research that and maybe throw it out on the Instagram to be sure, but that is a number I just don't have for you. Obviously, the Matt Patricia era was, in fact, a joke. But All right, we're going to move along, uh, so we all agree. Next question. Matt Nagy just proved that he is replaceable. Yes. I'm buying. buying. Yeah, he's been on the hot seat for three years almost, it feels like. Outside of Mitchell Trubisky having a weird 30-touchdown year, he should be cut already. He should be fired already. We talked about this before. Yeah, uh, he's not a good coach. He should be a coordinator back to what he was doing. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's nothing much more to say. They looked marginally better without him out there calling plays. I so. think so. Yeah, I would also agree. I know that Bill Lazor, the offense coordinator, believe he ran the offense in this game against the Niners. They basically have ran the same offense from different teams and in the past. He's also here on the Bears. But that he when he's coached last year, he coached last year during the stretch where David Montgomery was one of the top backs in the league at the end of the year. And he also coached this game where the offense was way superior in this game versus any other game this season. And I think that that's basically he needs to run the offense even though it's the same everything. Just Matt Nagy cannot function everything at the same time, I think. Similar to what Kyle Shanahan is, is because – he, can't, he just can't control everything. He needs to control one thing and Focus set it aside. And yeah, that's the, that's what Bill Lazor is. He's basically Matt Nagy just running the offense, and that's what needs to happen. But I just he re- proved that he's replaceable because the guy running the offense behind him is basically the same guy. I would argue because you know I've been a big fan of Dan Quinn coming into Dallas. Uh, of course, his resume speaks for itself as a defensive coordinator. A Legion of Boom going to Atlanta and then having a lights out defense in Atlanta until he like you said with this coach, turn the reins over to someone else. The difference, I think, is Dan Quinn realized, I need to be a defense coordinator, and he's in his wheelhouse again and look at the difference he's already made with the Cowboys. What I I don't like about Matt is I don't think that his offense is even relevant at all, so I'm not even recommending at this point that he become an offense coordinator. Yeah, That was was just what I was about to say about the Falcons. We saw the Falcons, Dan Quinn, Legion of Boom, one of the best defenses period during that time and now what we're seeing what he's doing with the Cowboys he's turned the table mm-hmm. with those guys they've only added a couple of pieces but they're a much superior team but when you saw when he was the head coach of the Falcons the Falcons were one of the worst defenses in the league right. for several seasons because he could not focus on one area and basically the team was just they had a lot of talent mm-hmm. they were one of the most talented offenses one of the most talented defenses at one time their entire offense was first rounders half their defense were first rounders they had a good roster but they could not do anything with what he was providing as a head coach because of he needs to just focus on one thing. I agree 100%. And what I'm saying is, as much as I'm excited that we got the coach in Dallas that's going to help our defense, I don't think that his offense is productive. I wouldn't be looking forward to Matt Nagy being my offense yeah. coordinator. He is a combined – well, he's had two seasons of 8-8. Eight and eight. He was 12-4 and four that first year with Trubisky being yeah. – uh, he is 28-20 and 20 as a head coach. We've been saying here in the Guys Without Helmet Studios since we opened the studio – 
Matt Nagy needs to go. So again, I'm sure he's a nice guy and loves his wife and all those things. We're not talking about character. We're just talking about football. I don't think he's a very good coach, and he did, in my opinion, prove that he was, in fact, replaceable with his absence this week. That offense looked great without him. All right, moving along. Speaking of coaches, however, the Vikings should move on from Mike Zimmer. Yeah, I'm buying. We've talked about this before when we did our coaching rankings like 30 weeks ago now. He's not a good coach. He plays down to teams. He plays up to bad teams. He never blows anybody out. It's never surprising. It's never a good, great, like you feel good about it after the game's over. It's always kind of eh. And he's not a great coach. He's a better defensive mind. And when he had all those studs on his defense like three or four years ago, he was a great coach for the defense. But the offense with him has always been kind of eh. Remember Stephon Diggs basically got traded out of there because they couldn't utilize him the way they that they're supposed to. It's not... Mike Zimmer's just not a good coach. No. Yeah. I'm going to also buy, I think he should be moved, or they should move on from him. Uh, we basically just recapped this with the last coaching situations with Dan Quinn and Matt Nagy. Yeah. These guys get picked up because they're good at the job that they have, but it takes a special type of guy to be able to control the entire team and make an entire team play at a high level, and that's just not what Mike Zimmer is. And I think, just like I think with Vic Vangio, he's been one of the best linebackers, one of the best linebacker coach, coaches in the NFL, and he got the job as the head coach of the Broncos, as we know. And he had great defenses all across the board throughout his career. And he's obviously a great coordinator. But when he's a head coach, he's just not as good. And he's just not been productive with a team that is very good. So I think that the problem is is it it takes a certain type of person. And I think that the guys that are displaying kind of average play with very good rosters need to go sooner than later because you're just going to get average play. You might get one great year. We saw that with Mike Zimmer. We saw that with Dan Quinn. We saw that with Matt Nagy. They get there one year, but it's never consistent but their rosters are always top, and I think that's another problem. Just with the Vikings, if they had someone like a Kevin Stefanski who was with the team for 15 years, if he just took over last year, their team would be one of the best in the league. But the problem is, is Mike Zimmer, they're still holding on for some reason. Yeah, and I totally agree. We've had this discussion, too, about the success of offensive-minded coaches versus defensive-minded coaches and how it's overwhelmingly more offensive-minded coaches have long-term success. Um, and, and I totally agree. You couldn't have said it better. The only thing I'd like to add is I'm not in that camp where I think Kirk Cousins is a bad player. I think he's his numbers speak for themselves. In fact, I would argue despite his coaching staff and despite them um, you know, moving players like Diggs and, and you know, not always giving him everything he needs on that front to protect himself because he gets hit a lot, uh, I think he's fantastic. If anything, I would say that last season, especially with the way they started off Rocky, they were trying to run an offense that was not to Kirk Cousins strength and that's your coach to decide you know um i just don't think that he's a very good coach like you said and i think he's been long overdue to exit i was actually in a a chat uh online with some vikings fans and and um, i was kind of polling them uh in reference to this and, and i think generally speaking uh the vikings are a well-liked team you know they're not a team that has a, a huge fan base but you don't they don't have a ton of haters either Mm-mm. so i think when you find viking fans they're usually genuine fans and so i got in this dialogue with them and i was talking to uh, rob k and he actually feels pretty strongly that mike zimmer has outlived his uh his life there and i would agree i think they definitely need a change while they have some time in kirk cousins so that the new coach can come in and develop a uh, new talent behind Kirk Cousins because he's not going to play forever. Yeah, I mean, they're paying Kirk Cousins 30 some million dollars. They're paying Dalvin Cook to be one of the best backs. They have one of the best backups in the league at running back position. They have their, gar- their, their guards and their tackles locked down. They have, they have receiving weapons. They have Adam Thielen signed. They have 
Justin Jefferson, obviously, is very cheap right now because he's on the rookie contract. And they had they had a tight end, Irv Smith, which is not really a big deal. But they have a great defense. They have a great offense. They're all paid. This is the time to win, and Mike Zimmer's holding them back, unfortunately, because 100%. the roster is not the problem. <clears throat> Shades of Jason Garrett, maybe, just holding back a good roster for years. I don't know. It takes a special type of person to be able to control it, the whole team. It absolutely does. So, all right, final question, then we're going to move on. The Falcons are in the market for a new quarterback. Buy or sell? I am buying. Matt Ryan, if you look at his stats, he's playing good enough. He's had a couple 300-yard games, a couple multiple touchdown games. He's not doing the job that they need him to do. They've been losing close games, as we saw them lose to Carolina. Not a good way to go right now this season. They could be have two or three more wins if they had a quarterback in there. He's not playing great. He's playing okay. He's managing the game under pressure. He melts, similar to Joe Burrow. Once there's pressure, they just collapse, and they can't really make anything. He's not mobile. He's getting older. I mean, he's a decent quarterback, but not for the Falcons. Falcons need to get someone who's younger, mobile, and throws the ball a lot more than he is right now because he is throwing. He's thrown more than 45 times once. He's thrown more than 35 times majority of games, but he used, he went from throwing 45 to 50 times a, a game now to throwing around 30 to 35. He's throwing a lot less than he was in years past, The year, especially like the year he was in the MVP talks into the Super Bowl. He was the second-best quarterback that year and had almost 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. So he's not throwing that much anymore. He's clearly digressing as a quarterback, and as a team that's trying to rebuild with a new coach, he's not the answer. So, yes, they're in the market for a quarterback. Yeah, I'm going to say buy as well. Falcons need a new quarterback. Matt Ryan just is not what the NFL is moving towards. He's a very immobile pocket passer. And if you're going to be a very immobile pocket passer, you're going to have to be insanely accurate and very, very good at throwing the football. And he has not been – he was good this year for a couple of games, a good stretch, but it was against the Jets and the Panthers, I believe. Or no, 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 he just played against Panthers. But he had a good stretch earlier this year. But being a, just a straight-up pocket passer is not good for especially this team when they're getting all these new weapons for him and he's not able to produce because of obviously the offensive line needs to be superior, which it has in years past, but not right now. I think everything is collapsing for this team for the most part. It's kind of like the Seattle Seahawks where their peak of their team was right when the new head coach got in, Dan Quinn, and uh, the team's kind of just been going down and down and down and down and down since then. And they obviously lost more offensive weapons and replaced it just with Kyle Pitts, who's obviously a rookie. I think everything's trending south for this team, and I think that Matt Ryan, being the type of player that he is, needs he needs a perfect situation to be to get the best out of him. And we see him taking a lot of sacks instead of throwing it away. And he he does a lot of bad things that that I just think a a even a young mobile quarterback would be able to produce better for this team. And it's just unfortunate that he's stuck on this roster. I think. So does not having Calvin Ridley moving forward uh, help his chances of staying around or hurt his case for staying around? I mean, if you take the wide receiver one out of any team, it hurts the team. So, But in his particular situation, as potentially being an older guy that they may want to draft a quarterback, does it buy him time or does it cost him? Matt Ryan feels like the quarterback version of the coaches we were just talking about, how he's, he's, he's getting it done, but he's not getting it done at the same time. Was where He's doing enough to keep the job, but he's not doing enough to ever get you a chance to win anything. The team's had a great roster for years and years and years, and he's never been able to do anything. I know he puts up yards, he puts up numbers, and you basically you, know, you never watch a Falcons game. The Falcons games are always on at 1 o'clock, and then whenever they're playing at night, it's always against the Saints or some, some difficult game. So you never really get a good look at the Falcons. Right. And he's basically throwing 600 times a game and putting up numbers. He put he, His stats are closer to Jared Goff than anybody's so far, 
and their team's just not been winning with them. So I think they need to move on. They need to get a reset, especially with this new rebuilding team. They have a brand-new head coach. They have a young receiver, young tight end. The defense just got recycled out, half of them to the Cowboys. This, this is a rebuild. Get rid of Matt Ryan. It is time, definitely indeed. All right, let's move on to the final segment of our show this week, a section that we call Hot or Cold. Simply put, each of, of my guys here are going to give you two players in each category, two players they think are hot, two players they think will be cold in this week, Week 9's matchup. Caleb, we'll start with you. Give me your first hot player this week. Jalen Hurts, like I said before, the Chargers have been allowing 132 <clears throat> rushing yards a game, and they're not going to be able to stop the run, in my opinion. So I'm starting Jalen Hurts as a hot player. Awesome. Josh? Yep. For me, I'm going to be starting Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, love him or hate him, he's a top-12 quarterback right now, even missing a game and a half. He's had five straight games of two or more touchdowns. People were talking about that for Joe Burrow. Carson Wentz is also there two or more per game. He's had over 21 fantasy points in each of those games. He's being a top-12 quarterback right now. He's played like a top-10 the last couple of games, and their schedule gets easier. So great matchup against the Jets, and he's a boom for me. I have another one, Ezekiel Elliott against Denver. They have no linebackers healthy right now. They just traded Von Miller. It's going to be a really easy day for Zeke. Should be a blowout with Dak being back, so he's going to get the ball a lot. Any chance Dak rests that one more week since this is uh, more of a disposable uh, week on their schedule for him? They can do whatever they want. Nope, I think he'll play. I think he could have played last game. I think the problem is is he's running he's running higher, relying more on his calf because of his ankle. It's the same same leg as his ankle injury so he's relying more on running a bit higher than normal so he pulled his calf so I think two weeks of rest is just fine he could have played last week in my opinion just wasn't worth it for the entire season to be at fault so who's your hot player my second one is also a quarterback I'm gonna go to Tagovailoa. he has a a great matchup against the Houston Texans he's also been a I believe a top 12 quarterback the last few games averaging about 24 fantasy points a game the last three games and uh, he gets a great matchup against the Texans, who we know they're, they're, they're just not good. Flat out very not good. And uh, this is a great matchup. He's been playing very well the last three games, and I think it continues against the lowly, as you'd say, Texans. The lowly Texans. All right, we're going to wrap it up with each of you guys giving me a player that you believe will be cold not to start in Week 9. Kim, who's your cold player? I have Justin Fields. I know he was playing very well in loss last week. Played very well, but he also has no O-line, and he's playing the Steelers, who has T.J. Watt. And as you know, T.J. Watt will wreck an entire offense, so not liking the rookie against T.J. Watt. Yep, for me, uh, bench everyone that's playing against Bill Belichick. Uh, <laughs> I think that this this Panthers team just is not good. The first few games, they were good. They had very easy games. We talked about it a lot the last couple of weeks. But Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson put up a goose egg last week. Their tight ends, their tight ends are basically blocking. They're getting stale. Chuba for Hubbard sure. is, he gets a lot of volume, but he has not been super productive. Mm-hmm. I know he had t- as long as he falls in the end zone. Yeah, that's all I care for about. fantasy at least. But <laughs> I think it's just a bad matchup. You have a, a, an unproven quarterback still, and it's third or fourth year, fourth or I don't even know fifth year at this point. Sam Darnold just hasn't been good. He hasn't been good for the last three games. Him and Robbie Anderson basically got knocked Who's out of the game the Baker last Mayfield week. Mayfield draft, right? Yeah, yeah. So four, five. Third I don't know. It doesn't yeah. matter. He sucks. But, bad. Yeah. He's been bad. <laughs> he, he's the Robbie Anderson's getting like 50 targets and zero yards. DJ Moore is the only player on the offense that's been playing good, and Bill Belichick knows that. He's going to make sure that DJ Moore doesn't do anything, and they have to stop a backup running back, a guy who's doing nothing on a ton of targets, and Terrace Marshall, who may or may not play. This is a terrible game for them. 
Bill Belichick's going to scheme up something crazy against one player on the offense, and Sam Darnold's going to have to have a miracle to pull this one out. Yeah, and like I said, when you get into the this part of the schedule, you really start to see uh, teams are figuring each other out. Teams are starting to get into rhythms and, and so on. So week nine is upon us, everyone. Like We've already mentioned some games that we're looking forward to. Also remember uh, Tampa Bay, Detroit, Washington, Seattle, all with a bye this week, so they will not be playing football this weekend. So, guys, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please take a moment to write us a review and leave us a five-star rating. It sounds simple, but it really does help us out. Also, remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you tell your friends about us as well. We also post a weekly video on YouTube, so you can subscribe and follow us there. And finally, if you want up-to-date information and news as it breaks, please follow us on Instagram. As always, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Guys Without Helmets. (laughs) 